The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today, Rosemary Luke, is a nationally known liturgical artist who has restored religious art and church statuary across the United States, Canada, the island of Samoa, and in Africa. On October 7, 2011, while recovering in the hospital, Rose was visited by an angel who brought visions and a dire warning for the world. The angel told her, I bring you a message. Tell them it is almost time. Today, our world pandemic makes this a more urgent message than ever. Rose is the author of the book, I See an Angel. Rosemary Luke, welcome to NDE Radio. Oh, thank you, Lee. I'm so pleased to have the opportunity to share with you and your listeners my glorious encounter with this angel. Well, that's great. Uh, uh, as a, In a previous conversation, you told me, as a child raised with a Catholic education, you'd always had an awareness of the existence of guardian angels, and, and I think you told me as a child you even saved a seat next to you as a place for your guardian <laughs> angel to sit. Yes. But, but this angel, the angel you saw in the hospital, was something very different. So tell us, please, what you saw. Okay, well, yes, this was completely different. Uh, you know, when we were in third grade uh, in Catholic school, we were always taught, you know, to move over a little bit for a guardian angel. We were being taught about our guardian angels. But that was uh, something in faith that we were being taught. Mm. What I saw in the hospital was real. Uh, it was October seventh, two 2011, and I was in the hospital to have a cervical fusion in my neck. I was taken up to uh, the holding area very early. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how you, if you've ever had surgery and you're in a holding area, you wait and you wait. And uh, I started praying my normal prayers and, and talking to God. And I felt this unusual closeness to God more so than ever before. And... Uh, when they finally took me in uh, to have the surgery, when I came out of surgery uh, and I'm laying there, barely waking up, I felt I was still saying my same prayers. I was still talking to God. And when I realized that this bright light was on my face, I, I, mm. I, I actually wondered if I was still in the operating room. And when I opened my eyes, this bright golden light was filled the room. And everyone there, yeah. it, it, it just surrounded everyone. It was the most gorgeous golden light I have ever seen in my life. I mean, nothing, nothing was compared to it. And straight ahead so, was this angel. I, I was going to say, were there other people in the room? Yes. Uh, I wasn't they, aware until they, afterwards uh, uh-huh. that there were more people in the room than the one nurse. Uh, when, the minute I saw the angel, I said, I see an angel, hence the name mm-hmm. of the book. 
And yes. uh, the nurse said to me, what did you say, honey? And I said, I see an angel. And she said, you do <laughs> where? And I said, she's right there. She's standing right there. And I thought everyone could see her. I thought the nurse could see her. Mm. And the angel stood in front of me with the most amazing smile on her face. Her eyes sparkled like diamonds. She, uh, there's no way I could uh, express to you the overwhelming beauty that was in front of me. It was absolutely fabulous. Mm. Was this angel, did the angel have the classic appearance with wings and... And so, you know, and white... it, it's really funny, Lee. I, I looked for those wings. I really did. <laughs> uh, and, and being an artist, I, uh, you know, over down through the years, the millennium, really, uh, centuries, we always see pictures of angels with these gorgeous wings. And I think it was because the artists in those days uh, depicted an angel, they thought, well, surely they need wings to uh, get anywhere, I guess. Mm. When, of course, we know that is another dimension that angels uh, reside in God's realm. And they don't need angels. They don't need, excuse me, wings mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to get anywhere. So uh, I didn't see any wings, No. But the bright light that was that surrounded the room and was in the room and behind the angel, behind the angel there was a pulsating, more of a pulsating light behind her. And I, mm. I wondered afterwards if that had something to do. Maybe the wings were behind her and the light was so bright, I just didn't see them. Uh, perhaps that's possible, but... No, I didn't. I didn't see any wings. Or maybe it maybe it indicated a tunnel to the to the other dimension, the spiritual dimension. Yes, yes, that's very possible, and I have thought about that too. Uh, now you, I, you said, you said there was a distinct difference. I felt when I looked at her and the surrounding space mm-hmm. around her that there was definitely a distinctive difference between where I was and where she was. And you say she, a a lot of people think of angels in the masculine, but you felt that there was a very feminine quality to this angel. Yes. I, you know, the way she looked at me, there was so much love and compassion. Not, not that a male uh, angel or, you know, a more masculine angel uh, would not have those attributes uh i just i don't know immediately i felt she was feminine definitely and you said you thought she was clothed in a purple colored uh, garment yes well i i painted the cover of the book um i didn't intend to paint the cover of the book but it turned out that way because uh as we went on trying to discover what would be the best thing for the cover, I realized that since I was the only one that really saw her, I wanted to bring 
to the public the best I possibly could what she looked like. I felt it was important uh, to not only just talk about seeing an angel, but to actually have an opportunity to have people see what she really looked like. Uh, I wish, I wish, I mean, if I I could be, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, uh, <laughs> perhaps uh, it, it was so hard uh, to capture the essence of her. Yes. I don't think it would be possible for anyone to really do that. Was there a, the golden light, was it all around her as well? Yes. Yes, it was all around her. It was behind her. Uh, The it was it just filled the entire room to Uh, the point where I forgot where I was. Basically, I wasn't even thinking where I was. The only thing that was important to me at the time was my conversation with her. I asked her, "Did you come to take me?" And she said, no. And, and I think, uh, I think you, you said that she, you had the feeling that she knew everything about you. Yes, she did. She did. Uh, I really felt, uh, oh, how can I explain this? I felt like I knew her, that she knew me, but yet she didn't look familiar. But I was so mm-hmm. comfortable with her. This, this sweetness and this loving compassion that came from her was so overwhelming that, that you just wanted to, if I could have gotten off the bed and gone to her and put my arms around her, I would have. Yet yes. people have asked me, was it your guardian angel? And I don't feel it was. This mm-hmm. was a special angel sent from God with a message, a dire message, a profound message. Yes, and this that warning we need that, to that really pay attention that, that you're going to tell us about was it was not blaming you, but it was asking you to help convey this message to the world. Well, yes. Uh, I think that the light, the golden light around her was God's love. And I knew instantly before she asked me, before she gave me the message, I, I want to say that I knew instantly that what we ever believed in faith alone is all true. Because what would be the point of her standing in front of me to begin with. Hmm. Besides the message, the fact that she was there was was such a profound message to me personally. And the other thing, uh, Lee, that I wanted to say is that I knew instantly that I had been forgiven. And I do believe that God forgives and forgets our sins if we are truly contrite, and we're sorry for our sins, I do believe that those sins disappear. But the closer you get to God, the worse it hurts that you have 
offended him. Oh. You said the angel, at one point in your book, I think, you said the angel was drawing me into another realm. Yes. Well, What, what did this, you mean by that? Again, I think she did immediately draw me to her when we were having these conversations. The, the only thing I heard her say, the way we're talking now, is when I asked her if she'd come to take me, she said no. Very, very precisely, no. But the next thing I heard her say was, I bring you a message. Tell them it is almost time. After that, all the conversations with the angel were done mentally. I didn't hear her speak anything anymore. It was like it just wasn't necessary. Yes. Well, you say I, in the book, um, what the angel revealed to me will happen sometime in the future, uh, and it's for me to endure knowledge of a world in horror, which is a pretty scary thought. Tell us about what she conveyed to you um, uh, trans well, mentally, I guess is the best well, way to put it. While we had this mental, let's say, mental conversation that seemed to go on forever, and the amazing part about it, Lee, is the fact that she probably was there only briefly, which only proves to me that God's time is not the same as ours, because this conversation was really lengthy. Hmm. She went into so many things uh, of how we have offended God. She talked about abortion a great deal, that, and she brought it up more than once. Mm -hmm. She wanted to really impress upon me the abortion issue. And I think we have overwhelmed God's patience with us. Really, um, he loves us so dearly. I know he do he doesn't. We are his greatest creation. He immensely loves us so much. He doesn't want to see us fail. But I think that he's trying so hard to get our attention, and we're just not listening. Mm. And then right. when she started to show me pictures, like in a photo album, it seemed like. Yes. And they were of a world without the love of God. It was a very dark, desolate place. It was unlike anything you could possibly imagine. Uh, nothing that anybody has made up in movies or, or books. It was nothing like that. And I really have a hard time... And I, and I really don't like to talk about it very much, to tell you the truth. Um, it, it's, it's just something I can't describe to you fully. Uh, but I know that if we continue on the path that we've all chosen, because God gave us free will, these are things that could come to pass. And I think this pandemic right now is a prime example of God trying to get a, get our attention. Yes. We're not kind to one another anymore, Lee. And, and people are striving for 
greed, you know, greed and power and, and what more they can uh, have in this world. And they push God right out of their life. You write and in your until, book. Until we bring you, God back in our life. Yeah, you write in your book, if the leaders of this world are not careful, we will all face disaster on a major scale. What, what, what sort of disasters? Were these like environmental disasters or were they scenes of yeah, war? I, I think so. Uh, it's my belief, Lee, that it's not wars that's going to do a sense. It isn't wars. Hmm. We're going to do ourselves in with our own choices as you say, with the environmental, I don't know, we just don't seem to care an awful lot about too much of anything anymore. No. We need to have God in our life. And too many people feel they can go through their life without God. You had mentioned, I think, uh, uh, you had a vision of a world where there were no children at all. And it reminded me of a film that's titled Children of Men with a very frightening scenario. <laughs> uh, I mean, where suddenly people realize how precious children are. Um, but, of course, without children, that's the end of the human race, isn't it? Well, I've never seen that or heard about it, but I, I, I will say I, I did feel this dark, desolate, picture of a world that I saw, I did feel that the children were gone, that we've finally done away with them. Mm. The millions and millions of children that are being aborted every day right now, we're getting rid of them right now. Yeah, and starvation and uh, abuse. Everything. I mean, children on the street in Brazil uh, sold for body part, mm. when someone needs a new liver, uh, the, the atrocities that are going on in this world, I, I, I can't even imagine how God can stand it. I don't know how, I don't know how he can possibly love us that much that he would keep forgiving and forgiving these atrocities. Without some retribution, we're, we're, we're going to have to answer for these things, either now or, or sometime. Yeah. When we face well, God, when, when it's time to go, you know, our time to leave this earth, we're all going to answer for the abortion issue, even if we had nothing to do with it. Because yeah. what are we doing to stop it? Now, I can't believe you, the Christians in this country believe had, that it's all right to, to do away with babies like that, right up until they're born. Yeah. You, uh, and the governor, say, you and say I, in, I looked uh, that up for you, uh, Lee, the governor in our own state did sign a bill for that. I looked that Rose, up. Um, you say evil is on a rampage to destroy humanity, and and hell is separation from God. I think I got those from from your book. Um, do you think evil is a separate force? Do you do you think there are demons, um, agents of evil like that, or is it just the 
the fact that we have separated ourselves from God that makes us ourselves evil. Well, I, I believe that uh, you can't have good without evil, first of all. Ah. And if we believe in the Bible, what he tells us about what happened in heaven with St. Michael and Lucifer, I do mm-hmm. believe that uh, evil is so angry with God that he that evil is trying to do everything possible to destroy us. And the sad part about it, Lee, is we're allowing it to happen right before our eyes with our decisions and our choices. We are feeding into the fact that it's okay. There is no sin anymore. Everybody justifies the bad things that they do. There's a justification for everything anymore. People really do not believe in sin. And that's what evil is. If you do anything to offend God, that you couldn't stand in front of God right now, and God would be proud of what you're doing, that is a sin. And that's evil. You had mentioned to me that you thought there was a reason that angel was clothed in purple, because it was happening uh, that that, um, Lent, the time of Lent, which is a time of more should be a time of of mourning and uh, asking for forgiveness and so forth. This was when our uh, COVID nineteen, our our pandemic was was happening to us. Talk talk about that a little bit. That came to light just a couple of months ago. I have been praying on this, Lee, as to why she was in purple. Little did I know when I was writing this book years ago that this pandemic would would peak during Lent and all of the churches would close. We weren't allowed to mingle a one, uh, among each other. We had to be separated. And it, it just dawned on me. I, I always thought the purple was had something to do with the passion. But when Lent uh, uh, took place this year, in prayer, I, I know I'm right. I, I had no idea after all these years that that would be the meaning, but I'm positive that's what it is. Because uh, this pandemic struck us down during this time. And people need to, they need to call on God. They need to call on his love and his forgiveness and his mercy. You can't be afraid, even if it's been all your life. So many people feel they've done things in their life that they can't be forgiven for. And that's not the type of God that I know. God is a very loving, forgiving God. He will forgive any sin if you're sorry for it. And I think, you know, a time of Lent, I always felt, was a time of renewal, a time to get back to, you know, things that are important in our life. 
And I'll tell you, uh, God is the most important thing in our life. That's why we're here. We're here to help others and to be good people. And it's the, a ca- the other it's thing a- is, Lee, we need to no. evangelize. All of us are called to be, to help people, to ha- bring people to God. Because when they die, where do they think they're going? Our Creator created the most magnificent world. And we as a people have to show God that we appreciate that world. And we appreciate our life. It's a Catholic tradition, isn't it, to uh, to uh, cover the statuary and the crucifix with purple cloth. Is it during Holy Week? It's some yes. part of uh, the Latin yes. tradition. Yes, and more and more churches are getting back to that. They got away from they got away from a lot of traditions uh, mm. over the years, and uh, we're seeing those traditions come back now which I'm very happy about because we, we really need those traditions in our life. Well, that cloth that cuts off the view, now I know you do, you do re- art restoration and statu- statuary restoration, so you know how close somebody can be drawn to um, the spiritual by just by praying in front of a statue or praying in sure. front of a, um, the crucifix, for example. Um, sure. So when that purple cloth is laid over it it cuts cuts us off from that image from that understanding it separates us it's a it's a physical manifestation of the separation from god which yes. i thought was really what this whole and uh this uh covid19 this pandemic is doing it's sure. cutting us off from one another and, yes. and of course we're you know when two or three are gathered in his name that's there i am uh, that's where Jesus is, and we're, we're separated even from that. Well, it's covered during uh, Holy Week because yes. it is a sorrowful time when Jesus was uh, beaten horribly. Uh, you know, the 5,000 wounds on his body, mm. uh, crowned with thorns, dragged through the streets, Nailed to a cross. I mean, the Romans were so cruel. They were a cruel people. They really were. Uh, It's a time, it's during that week that we're dwelling on how he died for us. He died for our sins. that That whole thing took place, so we could go to heaven. So sins could be forgiven. And then Easter is a joyous time when everything is uncovered, and it's, it's more or less we start all over again, you know? The calendar year, the Catholic calendar year, just kind of starts all over again. And uh, so it's it, a time it just of re- brings rebirth. to mind, you know, what we should be thinking about, what, how mm. God suffered for us. Spring renewal. You write, what the world needs is for everyone to be accountable. Yes. And I thought that was a very good way to put it. We all have to be accountable to, to one another as well as to God. And um, that's uh, that, that could change things overnight if we could learn that lesson. Oh, a hundred percent. If we would only 
start being accountable for our actions. It would help everyone we meet. We would automatically strive to be better if we felt we needed to be accountable. Not to, uh, you know, people say to me, they don't believe that, you know, if you don't go to church on Sunday. I mean, that's, it's, you know, my Catholic faith. It's a sin. It's a mortal sin. And I believe in, in the reconciliation of sin. We need to be accountable in some way as Christians, not just Catholics. All Christians, if you stand in front of me and say you're a Christian, you automatically should be accountable for what you do. And in fact, uh, practically all religions teach the same thing. You know, sure. it's, uh, it's, it's even uh, bigger than Christianity, although I think in the end, um, uh, being a Christian myself, sure. I, I, I see uh, Jesus being the engineer behind all of this, but I think everyone, is, everyone with a good heart is acceptable to God. Exactly, exactly. I think God looks into our hearts, and there yes. he sees the truth. Well, he knows us the way that angel knew you. Exactly. Exactly, Lee. When she looked at me, she knew already what was in my heart Hmm. and how I would react and what I would do afterwards. She knew that. Well, she chose a, a very good witness to the truth, and I thank you for coming on the show uh, Rose, it's, we're pretty much out of time for today, but I want to take a, a, a minute for you to um, tell the folks where they can find your book, I See an Angel, and also your website where you, uh, your artwork is, um, is, I guess, on display. I haven't really explored sure. it myself yet. That would be wonderful. Sure, I'd be happy to. The book is now available, actually, all over the world. But here uh, in the United States, you can go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble and type in my name, capital R-O-S-E, capital M-A-R-Y, capital L-U-K-E, or the name of the book, I See an Angel. And my website for statue restoration is www.catholic.com. Statuary.com. Very good. Rose, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, oh, you're welcome. Been, I, I'm thrilled been... to have this opportunity to share my experience. And I'm, I'm happy to speak with anyone, really. My, my goal now, my mission now, is to help everybody I can in any way I can. Terrific. Well, I think you've helped our listeners a a great deal by being on the show today to the audience let me remind all of you telephone chaplains out there i've dubbed you all chaplains don't forget to keep using your phone or social media facebook or whatever to check in on those folks who you think might benefit from having someone to talk to in this time of separation and if they'd like to learn more about near-death experience uh, recommend our new ions nde radio app to them 
There are some 350 past shows they can listen to. So they can just go to the App Store or Google Play to download that for free. Please, everyone, stay distant, but stay well, or and stay well. And until next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, this is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening. <laughs>